Hello, welcome to B2B Craftworks, a podcast about business writing. Today, I'm going to do things a little differently because I've had what can only be described as a life-changing experience. And it's not the kind of thing you can just make a podcast episode script about and just rattle off like it's a to-do list. So I'm playing some background sounds from Clerk's Coffee right off the market in Charleston, South Carolina. And I thought I'd play this like we were just sitting down to coffee. Two friends who love to write, who are trying to figure this stuff out. And it would start with just how little time I've taken to just sit and be and have my notebook out and sit in a coffee shop and think some thoughts. I think writers spend so much time reading books by other people, interviewing other people, organizing that to somebody else's content brief that we don't really give ourselves the chance to sit and chill and think our own thoughts. And there's just a lot of value in that. And beyond value, there's just a lot of experience and knowing that we miss out on about ourselves if we don't do that. So this is pretty cool to just sit here with you and think our thoughts and look around and hear this, this business guy to my right talking about his business ventures <laughs> to two ladies who are also in business. And this guy to my left has really sweet headphones on and lunch and two coffees and his laptop out. So I can tell he's a creator about to take over the world. And then there's just a bunch of people in line, some with suitcases, some look like locals. And I'm just soaking it all in. I'm in Charleston for a small conference put on by my mentor, Ed Gandia. And I've just never felt more lucky in my life to be in that room with those 16 people or so. To be in a room with people who get it, who know what we do, who know how we help and what we're trying to accomplish, it's just the best thing in the world. So I really, I wish that for you once you figure out what you want to do to find the other people doing it. And I haven't talked about this publicly a lot. And I realize now, like, it's a lot of being in Enneagram 8 and how we hide our vulnerabilities and we don't want to get sympathy for anything or have anybody know what our weaknesses are. So I think I've hidden for a long time just how sick I was and just how much pain I was in. For the past 10 years, I've been sick with an autoimmune illness. And then for five years, I've been recovering from pregnancy and postpartum depression. And then for about two or three years, I've just been in daily pain and just all over body pain. I've slowly lost a lot of my mobility. And I recently, I mentioned a little bit of health stuff. I found like my root cause and we're working on it. And I'm a month into treatment. And this trip being in Charleston is the first time I've been able to sit without pain, wake up in the morning without pain, go to bed without excruciating pain. And this was after sitting in an office room for like eight hours with really fun people, dinners out, walking the town for like two hours. I just did a lot of stuff that I have physically not been able to do for years. And it was a powerful experience. And it's that kind of stuff, those magical opportunities to get out of your daily rhythm break out of whatever natural limitations you put on your life because of circumstance or health or kids or family or just how you're used to doing things and just be. And I'm just really grateful I got to give myself that gift and I'm grateful 
to Ed for choosing to build his business in a way that lets people get together like that. It just, it blows my mind how all this stuff happens. And it was hard to make it happen. It was obviously expensive just to travel and be out of town. It was an extra burden for my spouse to take care of both kids for one, two, three, four, five days. And it can also be scary to go into those kind of situations knowing you're going to rethink everything and not really being sure what you're going to come out with. I think that's something I take for granted because I love the process of change. And I'm generally pretty fearless about what's going to happen as long as I know I'm in charge of what's going to happen. But it is spooky to go into a room and know you're going to be asked some tough questions and you're going to work through them and come out with something different. And that definitely happened for me. And that was really neat. And I'm trying to figure out how to make this less of a diary, but I think that's just what I need. And I think that's what people enjoy hearing. And I think that's what you might enjoy hearing because when you just look at the outside, like just my website, just LinkedIn, just these emails that I send, I'm sure it seems like I've really got it together. But behind the scenes, everything is changing and everything's up for grabs. So some of the things that I was thinking about on this trip were for the Institute, like my target audience. At first, I thought it was marketers. It's definitely not. Then I thought it was new writers, and it still is. But when I look at the people who really resonate and who really need what I'm doing, it's actually career switchers. And it's people who have been in banking and teaching and stay-at-home parenting and even academia, and they realize they don't want that, and they've always wanted to be a writer, and it's just time to do that. That's where all of my long-form case studies are from. The people who really dig in and take action and just change their lives, they tend to fall into that category. And so I think we're going to see my stuff leaning a bit more in that direction. Still doing the teaching that I'm doing, still really focused on the business side of things, but zeroing in on what people really need when they're being introduced to a writing career for the first time. I love helping people figure that out. And I also realized I'm not really happy putting all this pressure on the Institute to be a full-time income and get to these goals like a quarter of a million or a half a million dollars a year. And we're looking at my husband going back into a teaching role. And I feel pretty vulnerable sharing that because it's not for sure yet. I want to make sure we can make that decision with him feeling really comfortable and supported and like it's something he wants to do and something he's not being forced to do. But that's something we're looking at in the next few weeks. What would it be like for him to go back to the workforce, for me to get to take that load off of my shoulders and have more consistent nights and weekends and back in a family schedule, more fun, more ability to do stuff now that I can do stuff. It's really just, I'm stunned to see how much of my life the past few years has been guided by work probably as a way to avoid my mobility problems and like slowly losing the ability to do fun things. So why not work? Why not get obsessed with this stuff? And it's just, it's so cool. And I'm so grateful to be able to look at what I'm doing and see the parts that just light me up, which is the teaching and the coaching and the helping. And if I could lean into that more, do a little more of the housework and the home front stuff that comes more naturally to me, a little more travel. It's almost scary to me to see that life could be good soon, right? And I think that's a limiting belief. So that's something I'm working through for sure. 
But I think this trip was just perfectly timed for my physical health, my emotional health, my willingness to be vulnerable and go deep in that lack of, what's the word? That lack of pretense for how good or not good I'm doing. Because I don't feel the need to exaggerate how good things are. And I don't feel the need to beat myself up for things that haven't been going the way I want them to. There's just this sense of fullness and rightness about everything I'm doing and the journey that I'm on. And that, man, that is not something I was feeling six months ago or 12 months ago or 18 months ago. This is a new feeling. But I do want to be that example of someone who can go through low things and really work through that struggle part and then be satisfied and create goals and dreams that actually align with my values and what I want to do. Not some random money-related goal that just drives me into the ground, but real living and life that I want to have. And I feel like I'm really close to it. And I think that's cool. And I really think that everybody can get there. It's too hard for some people to want to get there sometimes. Like we have these ups and downs as we get closer to what we want. But I truly believe anybody can make these kind of choices and make this kind of change. So thanks for joining me for coffee. Maybe I can now phase back into something a little more practical, a little more helpful, a little less diary-ish, which definitely sounds like something else. (laughs) And one thing that comes to mind, we're on day four of the B2B writing seminar, which is where a lot of people come in and write their first B2B clip, take clips they've written that they know just aren't to their potential and walk through this process of high-income writing and what marketing managers are looking for in that kind of writing. And one of the things we talked about just recently was how to make an idea more B2B. Because what happens when we sit down and try to write, like just sit down and write a blog post, we come up with these ideas that are very strong ideas, very publication or newsworthy ideas, but they aren't actually B2B. They don't have this nuance that a marketing manager would want to use to talk about whatever they're talking about for their company. And so the idea that came in and that I worked through, the idea is why we need high caliber young people to enter the teaching profession. And this is a great idea from the perspective of a letter to the editor. This is a great idea if this is your personal philosophy and you want to share this with people. There's nothing wrong with this idea. But the challenge is that it's not really B2B because the person writing it or the company writing it is not writing it to another business to show them how to do something better in their business. This is for people who are hiring and teaching and staffing a school and it's explaining something that is core to their business like they would already know it. So the client or the person who would hire you for this is like society or something more vague like that. (laughs) And the person benefiting from this is the student in the school system. I don't know, but technology and products and business isn't really involved in that idea. And so what we want to do is take that idea and run it through the first, second, and third degree. Now, the first, second, and third degree is a concept that I teach in the B2B writing seminar. And it's actually day one, because I don't think you can write great B2B content unless this is happening inside of you on an unconscious level, at least, and then at best, on a conscious level. And what's going on is that you're asking yourself, who's going to be reading this? And it's not always the person hiring you to write it. There's actually three degrees of people who are involved. 
There's the first degree, which is the person who hires you, your client. Then there's the second degree, which is the their client. So the person who hires you has a client, and that's the second degree. And then the third degree is their client's customer. So there's all these different relationships going into one blog post that helps you figure out how to approach it and what to approach to make it relevant and interesting. So there's one example. I have this animated in the sessions, but I'm going to have to just describe it now. So picture two stick figures. They're the most perfect stick figures you've ever seen in your entire life. Like it almost looks like art. It's not even just stick figures. They're that good. One is named Denise, and that's the writer. And then one is named, let's call them Rick. And Rick walks up and he's got a bunch of money in his hand. And he says, hey, Denise, can you help me reach HR managers with content? And it turns out Rick is from an enterprise company selling HR tech software. So Rick is talking to Denise and he says, I'd like to hire you. I want to be the first degree. I'm your client. But Rick is not the person that we're writing for. He's going to approve the writing. He's, we're going to talk to him about the writing. But what we're actually writing for, the person we're writing for, is the HR executives who need help. So Rick is saying, Denise, can you help me reach my customers with your writing? That's what I'd really like to do. But what makes it B2B is that third degree because Rick's customers are businesses that need to reach their own customers their own employees, their executives, their teams, their processes, their technology, all that kind of stuff. So there's these three degrees. Your client is that B2B tech company. Their client is going to be HR executives and their client's customer or their client's stakeholder is going to be employees, getting ROI, other stakeholders, people who are going to benefit from whatever it is you're writing about. And so this happens, this can be applied across niches. So in higher education, you might be hired by a learning management technology company. Their client is a higher education institution. And what their client wants to hear about is students, faculty, student success, staff, learning outcomes, all that kind of stuff. Or in a B2B e-commerce payments company, your client might be a buy now, pay later provider like Klarna or Afterpay, Hula, all these cool companies. Their client is an e-commerce business that might add buy now, pay later to their e-commerce store. And then the third degree, the ultimate customer of that is the customer of the e-commerce business that benefits from buy now, pay later. So there's these layers and layers. And of course, in the BD Writing Seminar, we're taking examples, we're doing this across multiple niches and stuff. But to understand that helps us come back to this idea of why we need high caliber young people to enter the teaching profession. And we can just see that the first degree isn't really there. We're not really on behalf of anybody very clearly. The second degree isn't really there too. So the person who would have us write this article, there's no one to benefit from that. And then the third degree just really isn't there at all. So if I was going to turn this into a more B2B-ish article, I'd be going with something like how to upgrade your onboarding process to attract high quality teaching candidates. Because when we go with an idea like that, we've got a first and second and third degree. Our first degree, the person who would hire us to write about that, is a technology company that offers onboarding software to public school systems. The second degree, their client, that technology company's client, would be public school systems and recruiters in government and education, which I don't know if there are recruiters there, but definitely public school systems and HR in public school systems. 
And then the third degree, the ultimate stakeholder, it's going to be the administrators, teachers, students, student outcomes, all those wonderful things. And so by switching the idea to be more B2B, suddenly we know what we're talking about, why we're talking about it, where our examples will come from, where our research will come from. It just all flows into the picture. And I don't know that this is something you need to do with every article or project that you work on forever. But once you build that muscle of understanding the degrees, it makes it so much easier to brainstorm ideas with clients, to come up with good ideas, but then also dismiss ideas that won't work because they don't hit that first, second, and third degree very well. And it just adds that why for why an idea does or doesn't work that I think gives you more confidence, gives you more ideas, and just makes the process a lot better. So that's probably my helpful thought for the day. I'll share just one thing, something that's really a hit on LinkedIn right now about great writers. And I think I've seen this resonate so much with everyone coming into B2B right now because we come in thinking if we're a good writer, we're going to feel amazing most of the time. And that is just so not the case. (laughs) It's not the case for the most elite writers, the newest writers, people struggling with writing. Nobody feels really good while they're writing. And I summarized that in this way. And I said, great writers are not A-plus writers 24-7. Great writers are C-minus writers for hours and hours a day. Then B-plus writers for some windows. And every once in a while, on a glorious full moon, A-plus writers for a few minutes. And I think that really encapsulates this mindset change that has to happen when you come into writing for full time, is that you can't just turn it on and have perfect writing come out. And you can't sit and wait for that to happen either. Because if you do, you aren't going to write anything. You're going to get blocked. You're not going to make your payroll. You're not going to please your clients. You get stuck and you get under too much pressure to really keep the ball moving. So I think great writers are people who are willing to put bad work out on the page and then willing to rewrite it, edit it, work it, let it sit, let it marinate, and then turn it into something that's hopefully B+. And then with the client's help, it's B plus. And then one more night of sleep and it's A plus. And then it gets better and better from there. It really is this process that we work through. It's not something that we can just do all at once. So that's going to be all for today. Thanks for joining me in this beautiful coffee shop. And I hope we can get coffee together soon. If you are thinking to yourself, whoa, I need more of this and I need it regularly. It could be a good time to work with me. There's two ways I do that. One is an intensive writing feedback course called the B2B Writing Seminar. And that's where we meet once a week for eight weeks. I help you write your clip and I help you elevate your writing from SEO to the kind of sophisticated thought leadership that is really in demand today. And then another way to work together, which is a bit less pressure, but more frequency, is the B2B Moonshot Machine. And that's our professional development community where you pay a yearly or half a year or quarterly subscription, and you're invited to the live monthly office hours with me, live monthly trainings and replays, and the most important part, unlimited access to the entire catalog of trainings we have, which is more than 30 practical B2B specific training. So these prices, man, inflation is happening. So these are all going to go up over the next few months or so. So if you want to build a vibrantly successful writing career, maybe even change careers and become more knowledgeable about how you're contributing. 
the value that happens in B2B, I think you'll find it a really great place. So you can find that link in the comments. Have a great week.